Welcome to the Women's Wisdom, Our Journey in Emergency Medicine podcast, a production of the Women in Emergency Medicine section of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. Join Dr. Molly Estes as she's joined by prominent women in emergency medicine and other special guests. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Women's Wisdom podcast. My name is Molly Estes. I'm clinical faculty at Loma Linda University in Southern California. And joining us from rush hour traffic is... I'm Liz Calhoun. I'm an attending physician at Mercy Fitzgerald Hospital in Derby, Pennsylvania, home of the world's worst interstate. You can fight me, Southern California. Those are fighting words, definitely. Um, and in true emergency medicine multitasking um, fashion, she really is actually joining us from rush hour traffic. So kudos to Dr. Calhoun. And joining us today on our little podcast is Dr. Elspeth Pierce. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, so I'm Elspeth Pierce. I uh, am working at the University of Kansas, and um, I'm also one of the APDs for their emergency medicine program. So Dr. Pierce Scott is the next in a long series of people to get voluntold into our podcast because of her involvement in the Women in Emergency Medicine section of AAEM. So Dr. Pierce, tell us a little bit more about how you got involved with all of that. Yeah, um, so I think uh, first my involvement with AAEM was uh, out of doing a poster session as a resident. So um, you know, I was kind of, again, sort of voluntold, but it was offered up as a, uh, you know, kind of low-hanging fruit, something fun to do. You would get to go to a conference. I think that year it was in Vegas. And so um, I submitted a couple posters and both of them got in. And so that was like my, my first intro to AEM was going to that conference. And then um, I think getting involved in the women's uh, group was more just like the coffee meetups and things like that. Just like understanding that it was a it was a thing that you could do and so I'm a reluctant mentee I always say but I'm also kind of reluctant to join groups that would be ultimately very beneficial for me and so going to those kind of like just low-key meetups kind of put me in touch with a few people that got me more involved and that's how I got here. I don't know about you, Liz, but I think that that just totally justified me dragging my butt out of bed for those 7 a.m. meetups. Yes, we got someone else to join us and someone else who is now a counselor with us. Exactly, because she did kind of gloss over the fact that she is a leader in the women in EM section. So now you have to tell us more. Um, Yeah, so I think one of the things that I'm realizing is that a lot of people in this group are, you know, one degree away from Lois Wisher. And so that's my uh, intro to this as well. the counselor position came up she knew I had been um, a little bit involved and was kind of interested in getting more involved and so she uh, I think sent an email and then we talked on the phone a little bit about the position and um, it sounded like something to kind of like you know the next step in in getting to be a part of this group uh, and kind of getting to like just do a little bit more um, and uh, and kind of like further my career as well as to kind of help the group out. So um, I thought it was great, put my name in the hat and, and you know, kind of that's, that's what she wrote. <laughs> For anyone that doesn't have a Lois story out there, I'm really wondering. 
I really don't think so. I think we need to rename the podcast, you know, Degrees of Lois Swisher, or maybe <laughs> the Swishers and the Swishies. Uh, how about that? I, group, the Swishies? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's the Swifties and the Swishies. I like the Swishies. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Um, well, since we have a very captive audience, and since we have demanded your time today, tell us a little bit more about your vision for the Women AM section of, uh, of AEM. And no pressure, but I'm just giving you the opportunity to share with all of our listeners out there, many of whom are in training themselves, uh, exactly where you would like to see our mentoring and support and everything else that the section stands for going. Yeah, so I don't really have a grand vision, surprise, surprise, but um, I do have a perspective that I think I've not, like I've at least noticed this from others, which is the kind of the reluctance to like jump in with both feet sometimes um, and kind of having that having another person um, who just kind of reaches out their hand and like sort of pulls you in just that that voluntold experience that you know but it's it's usually I feel like in situations like this it's for the better you know it helps it helps me advance my career and it helps me realize that it's not as intimidating as it sounds and it helps me like you know so it helps me and it also helps the group because you get more leaders you get uh, more perspectives you get more people involved um, new ideas and so you know I think it's mutually beneficial and just you know that act of somebody else like reaching out has been you know really something that's helped me um, in different facets and so having that and talking to other people about that and that's their experience as well you know how do we bring that kind of to a larger group you know how do we make it so that you don't have to be one degree from Lois to to get involved or be involved uh, you know and so you know for the like new and upcoming residents and you know how you know how do we all sort of become that person that puts out their hand and kind of pulls people in and, and pulls people along and finds where they would be you know good and where they would thrive I truly love that as a vision because it's so true. We all need somebody out there who can just give us a little bit of a pat on the back that ends up being a friendly shove um, into something that we're not 100% certain about. Um, and that uh, atmosphere of inclusivity, I think, is really encapsulated within our section, um, that it truly is a group of individuals all seeking to edify and grow ourselves as well as each other. And sometimes growing the people around you is a lot easier um, than the active process of directly growing yourself, if that makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Well, so now we know there was at least one person who extended their hand and kind of pulled you into the group. Did you have any other mentors like that early in medicine? How did you get into medicine to begin with? So um, I like to kind of tell this, the, the backstory of I was um, brainwashed into medicine. My parents uh, raised me with a lot of, I mean, uh, you know, good naturedly. Uh, a lot of like science, uh, you know, toys and, you know, uh, insect identification stuff, the planets, you know, all those kind of things um, growing up. And they always just would kind of put 
put it out there that like, oh, you're going to be a neurosurgeon one day and you're going to pay for a retirement. <laughs> and I like to joke that they got pretty close. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so yeah, there really weren't any physicians in my family. Um, my dad's a college professor and my mom like worked at my elementary school in the library. So, um, you know, medicine wasn't something that I was around a ton. Um, and so getting into college and everything, I really thought that I was going to be a researcher. I did um, some basic science in a fruit fly lab and I studied genetics and that was kind of, that was like where the trajectory was, but most of my friends were going into medical school um, since I was in a lot of the honors programs and stuff. And so that just kind of, you know, I'd been interested. I had done some volunteering. I seemed to kind of have the personality for it. And uh, so ended up kind of switching into pre-med um, after I realized that research is a lot of um, it's a lot of asking for money <laughs> where you spend a lot of your time, a lot of your efforts, if you're running a lab and that wasn't where, you know, I enjoyed the bench work, but I didn't enjoy that kind of facet of it. So, um, so I kind of shifted my goals and, um, got into med school kind of two years after college, I worked a little bit in a lab, um, and yeah, I got interested in emergency medicine when I realized that family medicine is a lot of clinic. Um, Cause I wanted to be the everything doctor and then realized that I didn't like clinic, but I still liked everything. Um, and so uh, one of my first mentors was a, um, I believe he was a third year or fourth year uh, um, student. Um, and we worked at the free clinic together a lot. And he kind of sort of started pointing me down that direction. Um, he was going into EM and he was like, I think, I think this fits your personality. I think this fits what you see as, uh, you know, as a doctor. Um, and uh, so he had me do some, some shadowing and, uh, and I just kind of fell in love. And then I did my internal medicine rotation and fell in love with that too. So ended up doing EM and IM in residency. And I think I, think I fell in love with both mostly because I like, I enjoy taking care of sick patients. Um, which is probably my aversion to clinic, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I like taking patient, taking care of patients who are kind of in that, like the first few moments of a critical illness, kind of doing that resuscitation. That's really like, I like to see the order and the chaos. I like to pull it all together. I like to solve the puzzle. Um, and I think both emergency medicine and internal medicine kind of brought that for me, but EM just was a little bit of a better fit that way in the end. Um, and then how I ended up at KU is I liked uh, medical education. Um, so my last two years of residency, uh, I did quite a bit. I was our med ed um, or our education chief, and I uh, was the managing editor of our education blog and did that for a while, did a lot of lectures, enjoyed that thoroughly, wanted to go into academics and came back to where I did my medical school. Um, so came back to KU and uh, was able to kind of fit into the program fairly early on. And so I'm just, I'm really thrilled to be one of their um, uh, APDs. Um, I've been that for the last couple of years and it's been just amazing. That's incredible. So, so your practice is exclusively emergency medicine. Yeah, now it is. Um, I started out doing part-time in our observation unit, um, but with going in the GME direction and needing to spend more time with the residents. I've, uh, I'm purely in the emergency department now. 
Do you miss the internal medicine side of your practice at all? Uh, do you find that anything translates into your current practice now? Um, I mean, I think I miss a little bit of the continuity aspect of it. It, it was nice, you know, seeing kind of the same faces on rounds every day um, and getting to see some progress. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, hospitals are probably right behind us on burnout. Um, and I think a lot of it is just that they, you know, the, the job is probably not what it's necessarily built to be in a lot of places. You know, you're usually like the ringmaster of the specialty circus, um, it feels like. And so, you know, if that's, you know, for some people, that's exactly where they want to be. That's exactly what they want to do. That wasn't really my fit. Um, and so I don't necessarily meet, miss that component of it. Um, but I do miss kind of the, like being able to see the same folks um, a couple days in a row. And then from the EM side, like getting to practice some IM, I feel like it's where I ended up. The University of Kansas, like we have um, a very complex patient population. So I feel like I do a decent amount of internal medicine in the department. And it's kind of, it's kind of funny because the, the, the residents will sort of, they'll sign up for a patient and they'll start doing things and then they'll look over at who they're staffing with and they'll change some of their orders. Because um, <laughs> they're like, I know I'm going to get a talking to by Pierce because she's going to tell me all the things they're going to do on the floor and what they're not going to do and what they're not going to like. And <laughs> so, I was actually going to ask you about that directly because I feel like with the medical system becoming more and more and more bogged down and it taking longer and longer and longer for patients to get in to see their primary care doctors that a lot of that primary care or slightly more outpatient workup is being done at the level of the emergency room and I I've had many times where I was like I would probably be able to do my job better if I knew a little bit more internal medicine medicine um, that might apply in this situation and it sounds like that's actually kind of uniquely skilled you to be able to bridge at least a little bit of that gap that our patients are facing. Yeah, I do. Like, I occasionally get a little bit of joy out of like sending somebody home with a new script for blood pressure medications. Some of my <laughs> colleagues, some of my colleagues, they laugh at me. They're like, why, why would you? And I'm like, I am offering a, you know, a service. They, I know that they're not going to get into their primary. I'm totally comfortable managing these meds. Um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I miss the internal medicine stuff a little bit, but I do get to, yeah, with just the way things are going in, in um, you know, medicine now, it really, we are like primary care 24 seven. And so you do get to get a fair amount of it. So with all of that being said, and you having an incredibly busy, not only clinical, but also educational schedule, um, what's one way that you get to decompress um, after work is over? And yes, Contrary to popular belief, even in academics, eventually the work is over. Um, but what's something that you enjoy doing outside the hospital? Um, yeah, so every once in a while I do get a break. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I enjoy traveling just because I feel like when I'm at home, there's always that excuse to like check the computer or do one thing or pick up, you know, tidy up a project or a lecture or something in your downtime, even if you're supposed to be off. Um, so I do like, like leaving, um, you know, my house and going somewhere is really helpful to just get my brain to switch into a mode of not um, just trying to cram in five extra minutes of work. So 
um, we typically, uh, it's me and my uh, fiance and my dog will go um, usually do hiking trips. So we like road trips around um, you kind of uh, from Kansas city, we go, we've gone to like Kentucky, we've gone through Kansas um, uh, a lot of times to, to Colorado and um, done some hiking and camping and, and things like that. And I, I feel like hiking allows me to just like move constantly at a good pace to like get my brain to just quiet down and just like, it's like meditation. Um, and I don't have to think about work or process work. I can just like look around and enjoy myself. And um, so that's one of my big like decompressors is, is hiking. Um, and then I'm trying to do more um, activities. I just finished rehabbing my knees um, for like the millionth time. And so uh, I'm getting back to running and I'm getting back to like paddle boarding and um, which was great because it was like only a year ago that I could barely like walk up a flight of stairs without like my knees killing me. So I just successfully learned how to paddleboard two weeks ago. I'm very proud of myself. Up until then, it was comically difficult. <laughs> oh yeah. It takes a ton of strength to not just like wobble back and forth and fall off. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I feel totally justified right now because my friend that I was with who was trying to teach me, she's like, what do you mean you don't know how to paddleboard? I'm like, my feet go one way and my arms go the other. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm even more impressed since you're pretty landlocked, aren't you? Where can yeah. you even go paddleboarding near you? <laughs> we have topography we have um we have uh a few lakes um yeah we have actually we have some big parks like within the city that have like lakes um and things that are adjacent to them so that's typically where we go so just hearing about all that you do both inside and outside of work has me feeling a little exhausted but it sounds like you've managed to find a good amount of balance in your life did it take you kind of a long time to get up to that point? I wouldn't say that I have balance um, necessarily. I think right now it's, I just don't have as many competing priorities. And so I really can, um, you know, put a lot of time into what I'm doing at work. And so um, I think that will probably change, you know, as my life progresses. Um, you know, it's like, I'm currently engaged. And so that you know, that will start to take a lot more of my, you know, of my time and energy and there's a potential to start a family. And so I have a feeling that my priorities will, will shift. Um, and I will not necessarily achieve balance, but I'll have a new, um, you know, new competing priorities, uh, for my time. And I probably will spend less time at work. Um, but so far, you know, I've, you know, up until fairly recently, it's been, you know, like just me and my dog. And so I've been able to, uh, kind of really like focus a lot of uh, my time and attention on my career, um, which has really like gotten me to this point thus far. I think it's, uh, I'm feeling like it's okay to kind of take the foot off the gas for a little bit and coast um, and kind of, you know, do, do what I'm doing right now and do it to a good level and also just enjoy my, um, you know, what, you know, the other free time that I have. I think that is a great mantra for all of us to have. Keep it at that level. Yeah, I've, I've spent spent a lot of years just like pushing myself to the absolute, like what's the top of my game. And I feel like, you know, I don't necessarily have to do that all the time. A minus is totally great. And, you know, now that I've really, I've learned the ropes and everything, I can kind of take a breather. 
We'll take one for the rest of us. I think that is the best way to leave the set on. A minus is okay because aren't we all overachievers and you are still already at the pinnacle, but able to take a little time for yourself too. Oh yeah. Yeah, you gotta, you have to take a breaks every once in a while. I find if I don't, I, my creativity goes way down and that's where I find the joy in the education components of things is just like being creative and trying new things and having new ideas. And so without breaks, I'm not myself. Well, we're very happy for you and exactly who you are. And we're so excited to have you help be one of the new leaders of the women in EM section. I am absolutely thrilled. I'm so excited. Well, thank you so much, Elspeth, for taking the time and joining Molly and myself tonight. We're glad you managed to find a little time to squeeze us in and we hope it wasn't too stressful talking to the two of us. <laughs> no, this is fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. Well, on behalf of Molly and myself, thank you again and catch us next time for another episode of the Women's Wisdom Podcast. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast from the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. AAEM is a nonprofit professional association of over 8,000 emergency physicians dedicated to board certification and democratic group practice. For more information about AAEM, visit our website at www.aaem.org. Find all episodes of this podcast and our other podcast series on the AAEM website under resources and then publications. Join us again next episode for a new journey through emergency medicine.